0: You're listening to Tech Talks, the TV industry podcast from Broadcast Tech Magazine. My name is Jake Bickerton and I'm the editor of Broadcast Sport and Broadcast Tech Magazines. Today I'm talking with Jigsaw24's Head of Audio, Matt Ward, and Pro Audio Consultant, Saxon. We're talking about the current trends in audio post-production, including enabling straightforward remote production remote mixing, track lay, ADR, and voiceover recording, and what options you have to enable this. Then we look at the big push towards Dolby Atmos and immersive audio, and how to work remotely in Atmos. Then we look at the benefits of network audio, providing flexibility and scalability, and reduced cable costs and hardware requirements. This episode of the Broadcast Tech Talks podcast is with Jigsaw24. I shall hand over to the experts. Matt, maybe you could kick us off with what you see as current trends at the moment and why we're seeing these trends.
1: Yeah. How do I make some sort of remote working situation work for me is the biggest conversation we're having. And obviously that can be lots of different things from I need to mix, I need to track play, to we need to record ADR or voiceover, but but we can't have the clients coming in. Luckily, things are starting to open up a little in studios. In that, because most voiceover recording, if not ADR, is done in a remote booth, you could put protocols in place now to to allow safe working. But but we've been you know working on this with a lot of people for the the period of lockdown. The other big topics of the day, Atmos is and immersive audio in general, is a huge driver. There's a lot of Space for Atmos, and, and in, interesting enough, there's a lot of interest in immersive audio in lots of worlds at the moment because it makes remote meetings better. Because if you can spatialize things better, you can have a more productive meeting. So yeah, there's a lot of interest in, in immersive audio, and, uh, and specifically Dolby Atmos. And then the third thing is is obviously network audio. It's somewhat less interesting than the other two subjects,
2: but I, th- I think uh, network audio is a really <laughs> it's a really good thing, and. Uh... I'm very excited about
0: it. Can never talk about this kind of IT stuff without throwing in lots of numbers, which kind of makes you switch off a little bit. But I think I think, I
2: think that's a lot a lot of people's fear with uh, something like network audio, <laughs> isn't it? But uh, right. we and as as audio guys, we've all had to sort of learn that so on a basic level.
0: And I guess what it enables means it's worth kind of getting your head around and understanding how to do it.
1: I think it's important that you can quantify where your benefits are for going to a network uh, audio system. In case you we get people say, oh, you know, we want to go to network audio because the MD's heard it's the best thing and the latest thing, and he wants yeah. to be part of the latest thing. And it, at that point, you sort of need to sort of step back and say, well, look, what, what do you think the benefits are? I mean, the benefits to some extent are obvious. It's much more scalable in a much more dynamic fashion. It's cheaper to install. You reduce your cable costs. So there's a lot of benefits, but if we're talking about somebody in a very small room who might do you know, a single mic record and is generally mixing stereo content, then it's probably not something they really need to be involved with or worry mm. about. If mm. you're a big facility doing Atmos mixing, moving multiple channels around, then suddenly the, the sort of cost savings become a big deal and we're certainly seeing that, you know, the majority of our conversations with people around big audio systems or audio systems in general, now there is at some point, some kind of network audio function.
0: And these cost savings, are they purely down to getting rid of cables or is there more to it than that?
1: It's the scalability as well. You can get rid of a patch bay, so reduce mm. your maintenance costs as hardware well.
2: hardware involved, yeah. Mm.
1: Yeah. It's not just cabling, although obviously the cabling savings are, are quite significant.
0: And does it enable you to scale up and down easier?
2: You, yeah, you just add an Elva box, plug it into your switch, and you're off. These boxes are specific for DA conversion or mic yeah. inputs or anything.
1: Yeah, I think the ability to sort of throw an extra mic amp on into a system, you know, with one cable. We need to to do a voiceover record in the studio and we don't have the infrastructure at well. It's a box with a Cat6 cable. We need to send audio to the lounge because the director wants to check it out, but he doesn't want to come into the studio mm. he's having his lunch. Okay, mm. that's a Cat6 cable and a box and a pair of speakers. Basically, every sort of upgrade is a Cat6 cable. So the scalability is really one of the big reasons why it's so convenient and we can do thousands of channels of audio over a single cat6 cable
0: the move to network audio and the move to remote recording is it part and parcel of the same thing or are they completely separate things
1: that's a really interesting question they're they're actually completely different the high quality network audio protocols Dante which is the huge one in post, massive manufacturer-based and probably the easiest from a user perspective to get to grips with. But all of the AES67 type complementary network audio protocols, whether that's Dante or QLAN or Ravenna or whatever flavor, they're all low latency. So you can't do any work over the public internet. What Mm. you might do for remote working, you're immediately looking at something a bit different the move to remote recording we're generally seeing sort of two kind of workflows we're seeing this mix track lay self-contained potentially there are two methods there you you either are remoting into a machine Mm -hmm. moving the audio and the desktop back to the remote location or you are taking an entire pro tool system and then your problems become how do i move my data securely Mm back Mm. to my remote location so it's two different ways of working we have customers doing both it's hard to move high quality audio over the internet because Mm. of the latency issues it's not Mm. impossible and obviously pro tools with tools like source connect and there's some open source tools for moving audio Mm. but it's actually simpler to remote the entire system into somebody's house and then move the data through something like aspira or a Dropbox-style workflow.
0: Right, I see. So you'd literally set up a physical Pro Tools system at home, would you?
1: Exactly. This is for the people that need to mix. Obviously, Mm. things get significantly more complex if you're recording voiceover remotely to from a different site for mixing and track laying and general audio work a lot of people have just basically taken pro tools systems home mm. whether that's a new system or just moved an existing system mm. obviously if you start getting into atmos it gets more difficult a lot mm. more speakers to worry about but there are some sort of workflows particularly for any work that isn't final mixing in atmos that's the big
2: thing, isn't it? A remote premix room for Atmos using the Dolby Atmos software and potentially the new Avid MTRX Studio Box, which allows you to have your 7.1.4 speaker set up and EQ if you've got the space, basically, for the speakers. <laughs> yeah.
1: There are interesting tools around the speakers, whatever flavor of speakers you might be using as your 7.1 layer. You know, there are interesting speakers from Focal, from PMC, from Dynaudio, from the which can be mounted flush into a ceiling. The PMC Wafer Series, which are flat speakers. So there are all sorts of tools beyond things like an m Studio. The other thing is for pre-mixing work, you know, where you don't need Dolby certification, you don't need the Dolby Atmos Mastering Suite, the Dolby Atmos Production Suite is available. And if you already have, a main room with a Dolby Atmos mastering suite, you get a number of copies, three copies of the Dolby Atmos production suite, which you can then co-install with Pro Tools on a machine. And that suddenly gives you that MTRX Studio, Dolby Atmos production suite workflow for, for doing your Atmos work at home. If you're doing premix work or sound design work in Atmos, you know, do you need 7.1.4? Mm. Will 5.1.2 give you enough spatial cues to do the pre-mix work and then you know when you hand off to the final mix the mixer can actually do it in a 714 or 914 room
2: the uh, DAPS the Dolby Atmos production suite comes with a, a very good binaural render so premix mix situation can be done on a headphones.
0: You don't necessarily have to sort of rip up your house to get some speakers in the ceiling and stuff.
2: I mean, ideally, yes. you (laughs) Um, And we we all want to do that. But uh, yeah, but there are workarounds. You know, as I say, the binaural renderer has come on leaps and bounds and it's actually very, very good.
0: And the demand for Atmos generally, I know Netflix, for their originals, it seems like most people are delivering Atmos mixes. Are you seeing a, a sort of big move towards that at the moment?
1: The great thing with Atmos is the automated downmixers and 5171 stereo delivery. All Atmos-equipped stuff will actually render it appropriately for the space it's in. Your Atmos master is describing a three-dimensional sound field, and then your Atmos-equipped playback chain, which is in your living room, Knows about the space in which it's playing back the audio, or knows about the speaker system at least that it's playing back and can render appropriately. If you're just listening on headphones, it should be presenting a binaural render of the Atmos sound field. So you get some idea of the spatialization. But if you're playing it back on a pair of stereo speakers, you should not lose any content. You should get a nice balance. And what's more, is the guy who mixed has checked those fold downs Mm. to stereo and knows what you're hearing. That's the big change with Atmos is that for the consumer, everything's taken care of you don't have to worry so much anymore about you know is this content 5.1 and how is it rendering on my speakers the renderers are just software running on cpu so your phone can become a renderer Mm. so you know if you're listening on headphones you can already get atmos content on an iphone through headphones with Mm. with an immersive render so so everything will become an immersive format and your playback devices become the renderer at home or on your phone, and they will just spit out whatever is required based on what they know about the speaker system. And in the more complex systems, they actually know what the room is doing. So something like the Sennheiser um, Atmos soundbar knows what's going on in the room and is bouncing sound off the ceiling and walls to give you that immersive spatialization and and everything is rendered in the device
0: going back to the remote recording side of things is it possible to do professional ADR recordings remotely you know maybe with some engineer at home as well that's the same sort of experience you might have in a post is it possible to sort of replicate that remotely
1: if the network conditions are good enough and the internet connections are good enough it's it's totally feasible you generally need to send some kind of picture re- replay device and effectively some kind of Pro Tools system to the end user's location. Right. And then use Source Connect to sync that up to a remote engineer. The engineer and producers, if they wish, can hear it live, but also there's a, a local recording being made. And effectively, the CPU is then remote controlled over no machine or PCOIP or whatever your flavor of remote desktop control is. So that's the obvious way of doing the remote ADR. For voiceover that isn't a picture, it's voiceover for computer games. And they will use something like IPDTL. And to be honest, we've sort of got experts at shipping kits of gear. <laughs> so a mic amp, a microphone, pop shield, some acoustic treatment if necessary, some kind of interface and a Mac. And you can actually do it all via Chrome. It's a Chrome plugin and you you make sure the sound card is working, pretty much like a Zoom or whatever. Mm. But but IPDTL will get very high quality audio back to a remote location where it can be recorded.
0: With this kit you're sending out, what do you do? Sort of have a Zoom call to help them set it all up or something?
2: Exactly that. Actually, <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> there's so many great products out there for um, microphones and interfaces that are you know really. Good on, on your budget. So, right. yeah, we've been doing that and then having a call with them and helping them set up and get their sound correct and then they're off. And right. we've done a lot of that in lockdown, actually.
1: So the other thing is things like the Avid MTRX so that are controlled by Dadman. If you're running with the remote protocols for, say, ADR to picture and that's all set up correctly and you, you've you got it all good, then the engineer can actually control the mic amps remotely via the Dadman software. You're not even relying on the uh, end user to set gain. Or, or, or even their headphone level. So one thing that's always interesting is the acoustic environment. Right, yeah, of course. <laughs> There's products that can help with that as well.
2: There was an older VO gentleman uh, who I was talking to for hours, but he ended up uh, taking the washing machine out of the place and uh, dampening all the rooms with duvets. And his wife went mad, apparently. <laughs>
1: I wonder why. <laughs> uh, about to say, I'm sure she was a lot happier when he got paid for the session. Yeah,
2: well, yeah,
0: exactly. <laughs> What about things like review and approvals and QC on all this stuff?
1: The offline review and approval is is really quite easy. You know, we've all been doing it for years with QuickTimes and MP3 files and what have you. We really like to use Streambox for um, online review and approval. They have various tiers of service and quality. And basically you can route things through a cloud service. It's fairly synchronous, can, can move very high quality video that way. In fact, we even have used it for remote grading. Everyone can watch together and, uh, and it's fairly synchronous. We used Streambox before the pandemic at a very sort of high level, like I say, for remote grading oh, and remote yeah. review and approval, sort of transatlantic review and approval of high quality. And we also used it for streaming Dolby Atmos. So we have a customer that regularly streams Dolby Atmos between LA, Toronto, and London. Because they have product that can take an STI feed and stream to the cloud, we can get 16 channels of audio through it, which suddenly makes a Dolby Atmos HE Master feasible Mm. with zero compression. So an absolute bit perfect Dolby Atmos HE Master uh, uh, transatlantically, which is sort of very cool. It's
0: a longer term changes come into place as a result of the way we've been working over the last few months or do you think things will gradually sort of revert back to the way they were before once lockdown completely eases off
1: the audio world has certainly shifted more and more to doing what we can remotely people who've had pro tools at home for at least Mm. 15 years now have been able to do bits and pieces of work at home and i think that's just going to continue What's interesting is this idea of voiceover artists having their own kit and their own space in their own house. And I don't think that's going to go away, but there's always a quality benefit from having a controlled acoustic space that you're just not going to have space for. There's always an advantage to, you know, going into Soho, being able to walk between your grade and your voiceover, being able to walk between an edit suite and a mix suite or an online room and your final mix there's still going to be work for rooms and spaces and we're seeing that now but i think people now know that stuff's feasible ideally you'll do your vo and your adr in a large facility if schedules can't make it it's no longer impossible
0: well thanks very much matt and saxon brilliant i learned a lot i'm sure our listeners will too thanks a lot see you soon I hope you enjoyed this episode of broadcast tech tours podcasts subscribe now and i'll see you next time